TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 529, and I'm Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom, and I'm communication chair at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, I'm Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hi, this is Yusun, calling in from Los Angeles, costume designer and TV enthusiast. Hey, this is Peter. I write for WhySoBlue.com and live in Hollywood. All right. Let's start off with the news. First up, uh, Timothy Oliphant is back for a Justified Woo! City Prime Primeval yeah. limited series on Fox or FX. Sorry. Woo! So I'm I'm excited and not because I feel like Justified ended well. So I'm, no I'm well. kind of I'm kind of nervous about them opening up that can again. Uh, I just need him to show up in a cowboy hat. We're good. <laughs> We're good. Uh, Degrassi is doing a revival series, uh, which is a go at HBO Max for all the Degrassi people. Um, Kindred's uh, pilot has been picked up to series at FX, which is based on Octavia Butler's series, which I'm kind of excited about. Octavia Butler stuff is woo! Is yeah, out there I, it's... and sci-fi, but like really bizarre sci-fi. So. I'm I'm surprised it's taken this long for well maybe I'm not that surprised um, that it's taken this long to adapt her work because you know her stuff is just spectacular it is it's, but it's I, I'm like, really hoping they do a good job with it yeah her stuff is spectacular but like strange like it's not well, yeah. your standard sci-fi it's very different it's um, very I think cerebral people, I think people are willing to take chances after Lovecraft Country last year oh, okay that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Tobias Mendez is the star in a Lincoln assassination series at Apple TV Plus. And that's all I got. Tom, go ahead. Okay. A record 559 original scripted series aired last year. So hmm. it looks and like they we're said heading there's toward... more this year. Yeah, we might wow. be heading towards 600. Um, ABC has picked up Grey's Anatomy for season 19 with Ellen Pompeo. And they've also, uh, they've also picked up Station 19, the spinoff, for season 6. Uh, the Fallout series at Amazon has showrunners Geneva Robertson-Dwart from Captain Marvel and Graham Wagner from Silicon Valley. And Jonah Nol- Jonathan Nolan's going to direct the pilot. And his off-kilter films, uh, his production company with his wife, Lisa Joy, is producing. Apple TV Plus has picked up the morning show for season three. Yeah, um, Camille Cotton on uh, Killing Eve has been promoted to series regular for season four. She plays Helene, the highest up member of the Twelve. And they've also cast Anjana Vossen, Robert Gilbert, and Marie-Sophie Ferdane. CW has signed... Um, has announced that David Ramsey has an overall directing deal with Berlanti Productions to direct Arrowverse shows, and he's attached to star and direct The Justice You Pilot, a spinoff where Diggle mentors five young maidens to live undercover at a prestigious university. And he's also going to guest as John Diggle across the Arrowverse shows. You didn't ask for it, but Disney Plus is giving it to you. 
a Santa Claus, the Santa Claus sequel series with Tim Allen reprising his role from the movies and the last man standing producers are writing it. Uh, Fox is. So wait, 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 country... just a quick question. So this is an entire TV series about Santa Claus. That is correct. Okay. It's, have you seen any of the movie, the Santa Claus? No, no, no. But I just think of them as like one-off movies at Christmas time, and I'm trying to imagine a TV series. I guess uh, it's going to be like a mini or or a lip, you know, limited well, series at Christmas time. Well, you know, Livia, Santa Claus and his elves work all year long, oh really God. hard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Continue, so, Tom. You know, it could be it could be that for real. It could be like you know what it's like all year long until it, or it or it could be like those people who just leave their Christmas lights up all year. <laughs> really tired. There you go. Fox has pushed their country music drama with Susan Sarandon, Monarch, till the fall. HBO has announced that uh, White Lotus Season 2 has cast Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Recreation for, and Legion. And then Storm Reed from uh, Euphoria has joined Last of Us as Riley. Good, Don good choice. Don Cheeto is attached to star in and to produce with Steven Soderbergh The Other Hamilton, a series about Wall Street's first black millionaire. Hulu picked up The Great for season three. Murray Bartlett from The White Lotus has been cast in Immigrant, the miniseries about the founding of Chippendales. And they ordered the comedy reboot from Stephen Levitan with Keegan-Michael Key, Johnny Knoxville, and Judy Greer. NBC has ordered a Life Goes On sequel series, Put Pilot, which means they have to make it or there's a huge kill fee. Kelly Martin will star and produce. Chad Lowe, who, was on, who won an Emmy for the original series, will also produce. And the catchy Okaro Carroll from All American will be the showrunner. Netflix is raising prices across the board. Thanks, oh, Netflix. Oh, whoopee. Uh, the Witcher season two was huge. 2.2 billion viewing minutes in the debut week. Wow. They canceled Gentified after season two. And they picked up Emily in Paris for seasons three and four, which I won't be watching. <laughs> Um, Shadow and Bone Season 2 has added Louis Tan from Mortal Kombat and Anna Leong Brophy from some, um, as Tamar and Toya Key Batar and Patrick Gibson from the OA as Nikolai Lansoff. Nickelodeon veteran Jace Norman has signed a development deal with the channel, including for a Henry Danger movie. And Peacock cancel, canceled one of our Peacock picked up One of Us is Lying, a teen drama for Season 2. That's it. Oh, wow. All right. Let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about The Rookie. And as I recall, everybody was pretty salty about last week's version of our episode of The Rookie. But I feel like this episode resolved all the issues that everybody would have had, which is they it just all concluded. Like the the terrible boyfriend that set, set up Nolan's girlfriend to go to prison he basically gets caught pretty immediately and then you know it's the whole and then she's you know she's out of hot water so all the issues oh and even the the young ada who was a jerk to chin like changes his tune so it's like all the problems yeah all all the problems kind of get resolved in one episode so Yusin, what do you think yeah, you know, um, I, I I think I was very vocal about last uh, last last time, uh, and um, 
I, I'm a fan, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan, so they don't want to lose me. Um, so I really kind of felt like the sharks were circling and I thought, oh, they're going to jump the shark, blah, blah, blah. But here's what I will say that I do like about the rookie. And it's it's been standard. They do not drag out, uh, you know, usually uh, their storylines, their arcs, you know, very, very, very long. And since I didn't like this one, uh, I uh, I mean, there are some exceptions to what I just said. But since I didn't really like this one, I have really not decided how I feel about Jenna Dewan as as the girlfriend. I'm not sure if it's because because I don't like the way her role role is really written, or honestly, I don't know if I like her in the role. I can't really decide. Uh, and they've decided to make it a huge part. Like Nolan has like no other storyline really, except being you know the boyfriend. So I find that a little bit weird. So, uh, but that being said, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think they tied everything up, um, and so and they did a much better job. And the last thing I will say is um, they also, and I thought this was great. They handled it really, really well. And I always wonder if they were going to address it when Chen uh, took in that uh, the the homeless girl, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, right. And that was like a huge part. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, they really kind of delved into, you know, not super seriously or or in-depthly because it's the rookie. But, you know, what it was like or what it's like for a homeless teenager. um, She brought her in and we really didn't hear a lot about any of the horrors or the way it kind of works. So I actually like that storyline. You know, Uh, I mean, it's a little jade. It's a little, you know, old you know what i mean but but it doesn't matter you know it for me i thought it made no sense that they never kind of addressed her life she just suddenly was like rescued and now she's a roommate and now you know chen's a surrogate mom and and i thought well okay so i thought that storyline was excellent and then bomb uh plot twist um oh i forgot her name but uh the to uh who used to be an undercover agent uh pregnant (laughs) <laughs> so uh, that was a super surprise. And, you know, and I really was like, oh, is the actress pregnant in real life? Because I was like, I didn't see this one coming. So, you know, they keep things interesting. They do the thing that they always do, give everybody a storyline. Last thing I will say, though, is this. It seems like they've really pivoted to, and I liked this about the show, but they really seem to have no independent stories. Every, you know, kind of story and every kind of case was like really revolved around each of their uh, you know, personal storylines. And I wouldn't mind if they kind of went back a little bit, pulled back a little bit on the personal stuff. I love them. I do. And I'm I'm interested in their lives. But I kind of wouldn't mind a little bit more of the old fashioned, you know, police case procedural, but still way better improvement, you know, much better than the last week or two. Uh, Peter, did you get a chance to check it out? No, I didn't see it. Boo. All right. Any other comment before we move on? All right. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about Discovery of Witches. Season 3 premiered, and we have two episodes to discuss. And I will start off by saying I was not a fan of Season 2, and I dropped out. I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) It got better. I I had to backtrack. It got more watchable, but it was still a bit of a chore. I had to, and I had to backtrack to watch the finale. I, I think I watched the last two episodes of season two so that I could start season three. I just didn't think the going back in time part really worked as well for me. So And they stayed with, there the whole season. I know. And so at least in season three, we're in the present. I was like, okay, I can watch this. And so uh, the first two episodes, they... They, I was afraid they were going to do the thing where, who is the rage vampire? What is that going to be? And and they made it pretty clear by the time you get to the finale of season two who it is. I was like, oh, it's that kid. And uh, I liked, like, in the first, pretty much the first or second episode. Is it the first episode? 
they pretty much tell you, yeah, it was totally the kid. So I like that they don't leave that lingering and and make you like, is it who you think it is? Yes, of course it is. So now the question now is really, what are they going to do with him? Are they going to train him? Are they going to like, you know, what is his fate going to be? Is he going to bring down the family? And then you have them trying to find a cure with a bunch of random scientists. And I was like, the thing about these vampires is they can't hypnotize anybody. So if any one of those scientists decides they're going to start talking, I guess you got to kill them. So that's that's crazy. Uh, let's start off with Allison. What do you think of this episode? Um, well, okay, first of all, we're talking about episode one or episode one and, one two. and two? One and two. Okay. Um, well, I, you know, like, like you, I was kind of disappointed by, by season two. I did think that it got better towards the end, but yeah, it, it didn't, it didn't reach the point where, um, see, season one did, where I was really super engaged. Um, I think that, you know, if they just relegated that to half the season, it would have been definitely enough. This season, though, uh, I think it got off to to a better start. Uh, like you said, we're in the present. We're dealing with characters that we've invested in, and and care about. And so, right off the bat, it was it was just better because it's like, oh yeah, okay, we're back in the thick of things. It's almost like the it's it's we were on the vacation. show kind of forgot itself. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, they kind of were. Um, and and you know now we're we're back into into this again. So. Yeah, with all the political stuff, with the oh, the what do you think of the of Knox and the council? Um, all of that stuff I thought was great. That kind of that, that kind of surprised me that it it happened so fast. Um, and it it actually I was very relieved that it did because usually these kinds of things just get dragged out forever. And I I was glad that we they just kind of you know res- chose a direction and went with that. Um. I, I, but you know, it's, it's now he's kind of like a, a free agent, a wild card, thing. yeah, the wild card, yeah. Um, and uh, just you know, increasingly, he's. I think he's going to be dangerous, in in that sense. I think he. Well, it, he's they're showing that he has. He's he has less to lose now. Yeah, he's he's kind of there's there's an edge of desperation oh, no. now because he's been, you know, kicked off and and he is technically powerless. But he's he's going to do everything possible to get himself back in a position of power, right. and so yeah, I think he's he's much more dangerous than he was before. Uh, Yusin, you were trying to say something. Oh no, I just uh, uh, I was just screaming. He went rogue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's what I will say: uh, I haven't watched a lot of shows on the podcast, so this was one I did actually watch. Um, and I, I'm careful to you know stop it too because uh, on the podcast because I did see more. Um, I you know I I think I liked season two more than everybody else, while fully admitting that the first three or four were almost impossible to get through. Uh, and so for me. Uh, you know, I was very excited about three because I thought, okay, they kind of, you know, they're, they've got the train back on the tracks. So um, I liked it. But what was hilarious is I don't disagree that it was muddled and was kind of slow. And I know you called me and, and you were like, and rightfully so, you were confused. You didn't even finish season two. But it was hilarious to me because I am a fan of the show and I did watch it. And I think I even rewatched it again just because I was bored at some point. Um, and you were like, oh, who, who's, who's this character? And who's that character? And I was like, ugh. 
I was like, I don't really remember. And I was like, it was kind of jumbled. And I was like, you know, that guy, the Benjamin was, um, you know, the guy who did something with the related to the, and then there was the other guy. And I don't know what those two do. So, uh, and I still kind of, as, as the series goes on, obviously they, they kind of tell you more and it becomes very clear. But anyway, for me, um, the, I'll, I will simply just say that uh, I, too, am glad that they came back to the present. Um, they're juggling a whole bunch of characters. Uh, it's of note. I don't know if anybody really cares. But to add to my confusion, they recast – sorry. They recast Baldwin, the brother. Um, and that was hilarious to me because I was like, oh, my God, there's a third guy. I don't know you know, what his deal is. <laughs> and I was like, how bad was season two? I'm like, who's this dude? So um, Baldwin but, is uh, not himself. <laughs> yes, right, right. And thank God they didn't do some sort of like reincarnation jump spirits into a new body thing. That would have just been a major eye roll. They just ignore it, which is great. Uh, point of interest for all y'all out, out there, the um, Baldwin, old Baldwin, uh, couldn't come back because of coronavirus, you know, filming, blah, blah, blah. Because I believe, I think most of what I'm about to say is true. I believe he's in the Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, you know, continuation series. So they couldn't bring him back. So, uh, but the transition was smooth. And the last thing no one's mentioned is the witch. She's also rogue. She's the one that, you know, kind of really attacked uh, Diana. And we all thought she kind of lost uh, her power. Well, she's technically on the council, though. She's not completely rogue. No, yes, no, no, but she's clearly trying to do her she own thing. She has her own agenda. Yes, she's that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super agenda. She does, I don't even think she cares about being on the council that much. She just, re so I find that very interesting because clearly that's going to come to a head and that makes the stakes higher for me when watching what's going to happen to Diana because so far she's been pretty much pregnant and sidelined. Side do you know what I mean? So uh, the fact- I think she's pregnant in real life. Yeah, she's she's constantly pregnant in real life. Uh, so she was pregnant during the filming of season two as well. So, uh, and we talked about that a little bit about the costuming adjustments they had to make for her growing belly. So, um, uh, so yeah, so I'm definitely. Uh, I wouldn't say excited, but I'm engaged and I'm interested. And because we're all barreling towards the end of the entire you know show, the season series, sorry. Um, and I believe it's because they. They're ending with book three. I don't know. I didn't read the books. Anyway, so I, I, I'm I, back on board stronger than I was. It's certainly not as good as season one, which was a real gem and a surprise. Mm -hmm. So if anyone, you know, wants to start the series, I think they'll be happy with starting, you know, and enjoying season one and then hold on, you know, push through two, if you, you know, and then hopefully season three will pay off. All right. Let's move on. Uh, I didn't next... get... Oh, sorry, Tom. Tom Go wanted ahead. to say. Yeah, I was really mad when I finally finished two and they fridged uh, the Black Witch. I'm like, come on, not cool, guys. That's, you know, this is the 21st century. I mean, well into it. And it was specifically to make everybody else mad. Right. So, yeah, that was the only purpose for it. Really. Textbook definition of fridging a, a character and, and a lesbian character at that. Boo! So I was yelling at my TV. I thought the first two episodes were such an expository. You had the recast and you got to, oh, you know, you've been gone for a while. We were in London. I didn't see you there. Well, we were in London 400 years ago. R, R, R. I, not their best moments. I mean, and then the reveal that Benjamin and Jack are behind, the, you know, Ben prompting Jack is the blood rage killer. It was really clumsily handled. So I'm hoping it. You know, more engaging than season two, but not as good as season one. Uh, yeah. I, I do want to add one thing. The, getting rid of, of the um, the other mother, 
uh, um, has left Alex Kingston with like almost nothing to do. In oh, this you're so right. And it's such a waste of Alex Kingston because she Seriously. just has been she's been reduced now that she doesn't have someone to play off of and the two of them to act like a power couple with. Um, she just kind of stands around and looks concerned all the time. She, she brings tea. <laughs> tea. That's it. She did have that great conversation uh, with the black dude who was. Oh yeah, uh, that was good. That was that really was good. good. That was, was really basically good. saying they accept you. We never got that. So. Yeah, they accept my loss. They, or they accept your grief. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that good. whole thing was a nice. Yeah, that, was, that was really nice. Yeah. But that's all really right. all that she's been able to do so far, and the rest of the time she just looks concerned and serves tea. Mm. <laughs> That's right. really a shame. We need to wrap that up. Uh, I still think it's a thumbs up. I'm I'm enjoying season three so far. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Bubba Fett, and this is episode three. And uh, I know how Allison feels about this episode, so I don't <laughs> want to start with you, uh, Peter. You haven't talked yet in the podcast. What did you think of episode three? I thought it was okay. I I liked the goofy. Um, kids on the colorful motorcycles it felt very like flash gordon serial which is always what like star wars is like based on um but i thought the episode on the whole was kind of it, it still felt like i liked the second episode um but i still feel like on the whole boba fett feels like a series where the episodes not a lot really happens like so yeah it was i like yeah, that was okay however yes i did like that it seems like he meets this weird teen biker gang and now they're kind of part of the cruise. So the crew's getting bigger and yeah, I like that, that stuff I appreciated. Um, I, and I, I guess, and I like the rancor. I like seeing that he wants to like train there. And I liked seeing Danny Trejo. I was like, Oh, Danny Trejo's in the star Wars universe. Like that's cool. Like as the rancor wrangler. Um, but like, it still feels like, I don't know. It's except, except for the second episode, which I liked, it still feels like we're halfway through the season and, it just doesn't feel like it's really anything's happening. Ah, it's kind of weird. I, I will, I will to 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 go uh, to your address your point. I will say one thing I felt by the end of this episode is I finally understood why uh, Bubba Fett wants to be the crime lord because when you see that everybody is killed and who is responsible for uh, the death of his of his uh, group of what are they called? Tuscan Raiders. Yeah. Tuscan Raiders. Uh, yeah. When you find or out who's people. responsible yeah. for that, I was like, oh, he, I, at least my impression at this point is that he absolutely wants to. I like, if, if you told me that biker gang that killed all those people are all dead now, I would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like now he's trying to give order to what he thinks is responsible for killing his group. That that's my assessment. I, don't I, know, I, I could totally be proved wrong in the next episode, but that's kind of how I was. Because that's the one thing that bothered me the most was why the heck is he trying to be a crime lord? You know. Um, and they've built up the tension. Now he has to figure out how to fight this huge gang. But that's the gang that's actually responsible for killing his people. So I was like, oh, that could be interesting. But that's. I like this episode not as much as the second episode, but I still liked it. I thought it was enjoyable. Uh, Tom, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you, Libby. I liked it, didn't love it. For me, this 
the flashback present day ratio, it's really uneven and jarring. And sometimes we're more invested in the flashbacks and sometimes we're more invested in the present. And it's like, kind of make up your mind. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of not working for me. The supporting, I mean, Ming-Na is just amazing. And, you know, whenever she she gets a chance to be badass, it's amazing. The, I, I didn't take, I know a lot of people and there was a lot of chatter online about the candy colored motorcycle, you know, moped speeder thingies. Eh, whatevs. It's, you know, and Robert Rodriguez directed it. It's like Star Wars is Star Wars. I mean, it's always had goofy aspects. I mean, come on, the pod race from episode one. I mean, so, but yeah, it's just... It's uneven. That's that's the biggest, you know, complaint I have. It's wildly uneven so far. Uh, Allison. Yeah, I. You know, I was. We were talking last week about gee, you know, which direction is this series really going to go in? Because the first episode was kind of weak, and then the second episode was was terrific, and now um, the third episode to me tells me it's going to be more like the first episode because <laughs> uh, it was just it, it was you know when, when I saw the original trilo- Star Wars trilogy I loved the first two movies and then the third movie I just kept feeling like I'm watching a two hour toy commercial this is just merchandising I'm being introduced <laughs> to everything that's going to be on the shelves and when I saw that biker gang I got the same feeling. It's like, I'm not watching characters. They're not characters. They're just merchandise. These are the action figures and their accessories that are going to be on shelves that, you know, everybody's going to be promoted to buy because absolutely nothing about them, they worked as characters. They were just there as you can buy these things. Um, they're supposed to be these street urchins who are so poor that they can't afford water, and yet they can afford uh, the the latest designer clothes and great hairstyles and uh, these bikes that look like you know they're right off the showroom floor and uh, apparently all these these um, body modifications that have to cost money but oh they're poor or, or poor orphan urchins who live on the well, street. Well, I mean, I are. think the point was that this guy was overcharging significantly for water. I believe that Which was is- the point. Which is fine, but but you know you 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 don't do that by then having this this you know saying that this biker gang who looks like a a bunch of just a clique of rich douchey kids uh, <laughs> and telling me that they're poor unfortunate street or urchins because they're not um, and that it just wasn't thought through very well. Uh, the rest of the storyline just seemed all over the map. The, you know, as Tom pointed out, the the combination of the flashbacks with the present day stuff just isn't really working. It's not fluid. It's, you know, I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm invested in, in really the present day stuff much at all. I would have liked to have seen more of the Tuscan Raider stuff, seeing them killed off a la uncle Owen and aunt Baru um, was, it just seemed more like more typical Star Wars recycling of ideas. So, okay, we're doing it with an entire village of Tusken Raiders now. And um, he, that may act as as his impetus for wanting to become a crime lord, but it also makes him look so incompetent, and, and so much of the rest of, of the episode makes him look foolish 
you, you just you, you think okay well you may want to be a crime lord but you're you're, you're probably going to last five minutes because yeah. you suck at it uh i mean you know he leaves the tuscan raiders and that's when they get attacked he he you know accepts a a, a gift from the twins without question um i love you know when they said okay we're giving you this gift and they turn over to the the creature and Danny Trejo. And I'm thinking they're gifting him Danny Trejo. That's <laughs> great. I'll take that. Um, but the whole idea that he just, you know, lets them bring it in without even questioning it. I was, it, I, was thinking, I was suspicious too. I was like, is it trained to kill him? Yeah. yeah I, I thought mean, that too. I, I, I can't believe that it's not some kind of Trojan horse type thing. Uh, I mean, why else would they gift him anything? But he's that. That's the that's the thing. He takes everything on surface, and he it just makes the character look dumb. I think it's bad writing, and and it's unfortunate because I don't want to be thinking that of Boba Fett. I want to think that he's more clever than that. He's a, supposed to be a survivor, and Tamora Morrison is is a terrific actor, and and I would like to see him actually approach the character. Well, he he personally is approaching the character with dignity, but the writing is not. So I I was just not impressed with this episode, and I'm just wondering what's going to happen uh, next. But I'm I'm not encouraged. Um, next up, we're going to talk uh, Naomi, and that is a new uh, CW superhero show uh, done not by uh, Berlanti. Berlanti, but by Ava DuVernay. And so it I will say right off the bat, it feels very different than any of the other CW superhero shows, which I think is very good. But on the other hand, about I was enjoying the episode up until about the halfway mark where the big conflict was like, oh my God, I have to update my blog on this superhero thing. What does this mean? And every, all the stakes have never been higher. And I was like, wait, are we watching the same thing? Like, it was weird. It was a really weird thing to hang the stakes of the episode on and then she's like okay this i was in the woods and this guy stole this orb from me so i need to go get it back so i need my friends to help me break in and then she gets like six people i was like first of all too many people too many too many people for a break-in way too many people Uh, i like that she had people outside looking at uh, being lookouts but at the most you get two people to go into that place so that was really odd. And at the end of the episode, I still am unclear what her powers are. I know she has powers. Don't know what they mm-hmm. are. Um, we don't really know much of anything. And so I was like, this needed to be a two-hour pilot. Because there's, there's just not enough information on the first hour to, one, hook you. I'm in- interested. I like the, the character, I guess. And I'm interested enough that I'll watch the next episode, but it it didn't do enough. There needed to be more in this pilot, I would say. Uh, Tom, your thoughts? No, you hit the nail on the head. Um, two curiosities. One, in the comics, and there aren't that many Naomi comics. There was a, there was one miniseries, and then she was part of the latest iteration of the comic book version of Young Justice. And then there's a second miniseries on the way, but it's in the DCU. 
and Superman crosses over with Naomi, and I thought, oh, they're on the same night. Sure, they're going to do. And then we find out they're in a world where Superman's just a comic book character, and like that's a weird choice to make. I just and the first episode of the or first issue of the Naomi comic book, you have a pretty decent idea what her powers were. This was so much tease, 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 tease. We're not going to give you the answer in credits. It's like not a good pilot, and. Just in terms of, you know, I love that filmmakers have been doing TV shows for the last, you know, few decades. However, comma, if you want to shift, if you want to shift your, you know, shift to a different uh, medium, you need to play by the established rules. And your pilot has certain expectations set up what the situation is and also hopefully set up the narrative pattern for the show. And they didn't do either of those. So I like the cast. It's funny seeing Barry Watson, the oldest Camden kid from Seventh Heaven, as the dad now. <laughs> but I just thought it was I was disappointed. I expected more from from Ms. DuVernay and her uh and her collaborators. Right. I'm still gonna check out the second episode mainly just because I, I wanna know what the heck her powers are. You know? Um, um I I I am not. I, I think you know the one episode and i'm done with with naomi and the, you know the, the problem is i think the the cast is is okay and and casey walfall who plays naomi i think she's she's got a lot of charisma and i'd like to see her in something else but this was just badly written it was from from top to bottom i i just kept sitting in in front of the tv and asking what is the point of all this what are, what are you getting to um, what are the, like, you know, you said before, what are the stakes? What, what are, what are the issues? You know, what are her powers? Um, and, and it just kind of meandered around. And the only thing that I got also that, that really annoyed me with, with the character as, as the way they structured it is that they made her such a Mary Sue right from the very beginning. She's perfect and she's wonderful and she's smart and she's the best daughter and her parents are great and everybody loves her and she's the most popular girl in town. And it's like she has nowhere to go as a character. There's a reason that I th- Marvel especially likes to start off their characters as, as being damaged in some way or lesser in some yeah, ways. I, I so think they she have has, an art. I think she has three people interested in dating her in the pilot. Yeah, Seriously. It's crazy. Seriously. She has nowhere to go. I mean, she's already perfect. So now she's just going to be perfect with powers. And, and that leaves the audience with nothing. We don't get to see her grow. Um, so I, I just, I, I just was disappointed that they would, they would do something that dumb and and then the the stakes, like you said, are so middling for all of this. I don't care that she has a blog. Um, it means absolutely <laughs> nothing to me. And the rest of the characters around her are so wishy-washy and poorly defined that I I don't really care about them either. Well, I so will say this: I I'm just kind of done. I, I, there, I there's say, not a lot I have to say. Just I'm done. Yeah, I would say the pilot pilots are hard. We've already established that. And so I'm willing, because it's a superhero show and I like superheroes, I'm willing... And a black female superhero. Yeah, I'm willing to see where this is going. I'm not going to give them a lot of episodes, but I'll give them a couple more to kind of get on their feet. Uh, well, if, if, if you see that it's made a, a big difference and it's much better, then I'm, you know, I may come back and try to check it out again. But for uh, 
for right now, I'm just not. There's too many other things <laughs> to I'm watch. Not, I'm not going to argue with you on it. But all right, speaking of Superman, next up, we're going to talk about Superman and Lois. And it's the premiere of season two. And at first, I would say they left off. They pick up where they left off, but then they do a very quick time jump. Like, they're like, hey, oh, my God, Mom, it's you. And then they're like, three months later. <laughs> what? Um, but I would say I thought that Clark just did not understand his wife. I was like, dude, what are you doing? She's obviously having a hard time, and me as a viewer, I could tell exactly why she's having a hard time. Why Clark can't figure out why she's having a hard time is boggles my mind. And he was just doing all the wrong things, and I was like, you're a terrible husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then to ha wait for, and then he finally eventually, the only good thing I would say he did is he did finally just wait for her to tell him what she wanted to share with him which was good. And from a family perspective, this episode was good. It had a really good, I felt good about the family and even the idiot son who, you know, has <laughs> tries to have sex uh, at his home. But I mean, I actually don't blame the kid. He's 15 year old boy. What did you think he was going to do? <laughs> yeah, but his dad, yep. Superman with super speed, x-ray vision, telescopic vision. Oh, that that's was true. Bad. Not at your own house, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I think the mom was right that the dad should have known better than to leave them alone. Like, what are you doing? Um, but also, yeah, the kid was stupid. There was just all the things. But I just felt she got her anger. Was She was just angry about uh, other things. And it just kind of mm -hmm. blew up. Uh, and I, I liked how they showed that. And I liked how they dealt with it. So all the family stuff, I would say, is a thumbs up. Um, the actual new military guy who is obviously going to be a villain and, and antagonist and okay. Antagonist. But then he had those other guys with the S on this. He's like, anyone can be Superman. I was like, dude, just tell him it's your family freaking crest. It's not an S, you know, it's like, <laughs> they're like, any of us could be Superman. And I was like, you're missing the point. You know? Written to sue him for copyright infringement. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That was hilarious. He was like, they can't wear that on their chest. Um, and obviously they have a weapon that immobilizes him. And the fact that he hasn't figured out that that's what they're doing is annoying. Because every time those guys show up, he kind of ends up being knocked out. So they obviously have something that incapacitates him. That might not be it. No, you're thinking of something else? Well, they've hinted that... They've hinted at what the, one of the storylines they're drawing from for this season. Oh well, so. don't tell me. Yeah, they well I'm... they show they show the the thing at the very end, kind of gives the audience a hint where this is going. Okay, I don't the, know. If you guys the very last me. the very last shot when they go down into the bowels of the earth. Oh, and then the there's something course. down there. Yes. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's a hint. It's, if you if you know anything, I'm not I'm not. I like, don't I'm know. I don't know what it is. I don't of, know what it is. Well, I I think you. It's they've they've used this storyline before in other iterations of of Superman. You know when they they've done other series. Um, it's I, I'm not even a big Superman reader, and I I am familiar with this well, story. Well, don't tell me, don't tell me. So I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to go into it because I'm sure by the next episode they'll start. You know, giving oh, okay. giving more about it. But this this episode, I don't know. I was you know I think that there was like uh, a a justifiable reason for characters to be going through angst 
but the way that they handled it was so CW and and just the kind of thing that I was so glad to not see last season. And it was it was just all over the place with this one, which is characters taking uh, their feelings and dealing with them in, in incredibly immature and inappropriate ways so that you've got people just misdirecting their anger onto other people and and people being angry at people who who have nothing to do with what the problem is uh, the the Natalie character the the young girl she has a lot of reasons to be going through through uh, a, a psychological trauma yeah, she she, she saw her mother killed in front of her she she lost her her entire planet she's a refugee she's surrounded by people who look the same but aren't but instead of dealing with that in some in some rational or believable way we see her like taking it out on her father and like he was the one who personally did something and i i I just i'm so tired of that because it's such a cheap way of writing that kind of that kind of trauma it's there you know what she's going through is understandable her the way they've written her reaction to it is not and it's it's just and it's very it's very typical for Berlanti stuff to do that kind of thing because it's easy to write. Uh, so I was, I was tired of that. Um, the Lois's angst was, was also a little weird to me because I mean, she, yes, she has the issues of having, having miscarried a daughter who she was planning on calling Natalie, but this is clearly not the same person. She, she has not raised her. So the level of, of, trauma that she's displaying even though yes there should be something there the level that they've got is way off the charts for for what i think is is going on but again it's it's easy to write that way and they it gives them a chance to do drama so yeah i was i was just disappointed with this this episode i don't think it was written very well in oh. in, in the defense of lois the backstory about uh, you know mother mother lane abandoning the girls leaving them with general dad. That's a new wrinkle on the thing. And, and that's interesting. So I really like this version of Lois overall though, because she, she seems more fleshed out and less idealized yet still a great reporter. Because if you look at the different Lois's, I mean, you range from Terry Hatcher, who was, you know, rom-com Lois, which was fine for that, for that iteration and others who were, you know, so that that didn't bother me as much, Allison. My biggest pet peeve, I've just got to say, as as a veteran, they kept calling the lieutenant general a three star general. They called him a lieutenant. lieutenant. I know. I was like, <laughs> what the like, heck no, is happening? General for short. Lieutenant, lieutenant general. general for law. Law. Yeah, I know. I was I like, like, he's got it. all the stars on his. I was like, are you guys? Yeah, that bothered me too. That that totally yeah, did. So, all but, right. Well, you know, we gotta we gotta wrap, a, we gotta wrap I, this one up though. We gotta okay, wrap I thought it was a decent opener. Uh, next up, we're going to talk Station Eleven episodes four and five. And uh, when you talk about flashback, flash forward, this show basically does one per episode. You're either in the future or you're in the past. So I will give them that. But but also, I find that I a hundred percent like the flashback episodes way more than I like the uh, future or post-apocalyptic episodes. So for episode four, 
we were in the post-apocalypse and it's the traveling circus goes to visit these guys through a minefield they got to go through the minefield they find out all the kids have been taken by the prophet guy and then all of a sudden the kids come back and they're like what the heck's going on and then boom so who else has seen this episode four well i've i've seen the entire thing so, so but i mean so what did you so then what did you think of episode four um episode well uh, we i think we just went right past episode three which was the uh flashback episode um and i i really liked everything in there because i really liked seeing what the relationship was um between uh miranda and and arthur and and all yeah, of the rest and of the, the cheating and and, oh, yeah, and I, setting all the, stuff the house the back, on fire yeah, yeah all the back the flashback stuff i think it's great miranda the relationships with arthur her uh, realizing he's cheating, her writing her comic, and you find out she's the one who wrote the whole comic. She ended up writing it twice because the first time she set it on fire. Um, and then, you know, and then you show her eventually giving him the new copy is great. And then in the other flashback in episode five, it's like a continuation. We get to follow the new wife because he, he married his mistress and mm -hmm. had a kid with her. And no one's paying any attention to the kid. Everybody's trying to go on with their career. And Arthur really doesn't like his mistress wife. He was always in love with Miranda. and But for some reason, he couldn't stay true to her. Um, and so then he well, marries... Well, I think it's, it's partly because she... Her biggest devotion is to comic. her story. Right. And, and he just felt like he was being ignored while, while she obsessively created this comic book and so he it was it was like he was treating the comic book as if it was like a lover you know someone right. who was taking away uh attention from him so he essentially did the same kind of thing and and their marriage broke up but they never really neither of them stopped loving each other That's they, they it was just this really unfortunate and dysfunctional situation and as a result he really kind of ignored his second wife and his child Right. He, he, you know, let let a kind of a toxic relationship start between them. Right. So in the episode five, um, she, her, sure. uh, I forgot her name. The ex, the new wife and the son end up in this this uh, airport, and the virus hits while they're at the airport, and you, we get to see what kind of society forms at the airport, and you realize relatively. Well, not only relatively quickly, but I realized that the airport is where that museum, the museum of whatever the museum of it, civilization, that's what the airport is going to be. And so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then you find out that um, the kid is going to end up being the prophet. Uh, he's a nice little sociopath, even as a child. I was like, wow. oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so all of the stories in the past are pretty good. Like I really enjoy the odd number episodes to the point where I was considering just skipping the next even number episode. Cause I don't really like the traveling circus or I'm calling it a circus, but it's traveling theater. I don't like symphony. Those, yeah. I don't like traveling any of those symphony. characters. They're all of them are over the top and not believable to me. And I don't buy the story that's happening 
in the apocalypse. I don't think it works. Mm. So see, I I, yeah. I guess maybe because I've been part of a theater troupe before, but um, I I do like the characters in that, and I I like what they're doing with the the storyline and um, how they're and I I love the the creative costumes that are essentially made out of junk that they they come up with that are really tremendous looking. The look of everything is is wonderful. Um, I, I don't have care to about agree the story, that I'm. Though. I well, I agree with you that I am not as invested. I I still, you know, I think with the beginning of every episode, I'm like, oh, we're doing this now. Uh, but as the episode goes along, I do get more into it. But no, it's it doesn't have the same feeling of investment that the flashbacks do. I agree with you there. the The elder Kristen is not as interesting to me as the little girl. I think the girl, the little girl version of her, is marvelous. Right, um, the I agree. is yeah. marvelous. Yeah, and uh, I just I love the relationship between her and Jeevan. Yeah, uh, which, which yeah. you know we've we've been separated by, and at this point we're not being given why they separated. You know what happened to him? What you know what went on? Um, so that's like a mystery that that has yet to be resolved, and it, I, I think that she's less interesting without that, you know, companion character. She's just there was this great chemistry between them that's lacking. Uh, Chris, the the elder Christian, Kristen is really more uh, a loner than anything else, uh, which yeah, probably she trust is, anybody. Yeah, that may, and it yeah, makes which probably has something to do with you know her and and Jeevan being separated, um, that you know left her traumatized and now she yeah she she has trust issues. Uh, but I think I, I, one thing that happened in, in episode four that I, I did like the introduction of the prophet, he is, he is clearly a threat. Um, and, and I like the, the way that, well, I almost like the way she dealt with it. She didn't finish it off was the problem. Um, she, you know, she, she went, she stabbed it with a tiny, tiny knife instead of the big knife. Yeah, and and then she walked away before she made sure that he was dead, which no one should ever do. It's like right. finish it off. Make if you're going to go there, you know, do that. Yeah, if you're going to kill I him, was, kill him, right? Yeah, I was impressed that she didn't just stand there like a victim and listen to him threatening everyone she loved. But once you've gone in that direction, finish it. And so, yeah. of course, the the predictable happened, and his body was missing by the end of the episode. And, we know he's he's gone off and survived, uh, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, and, and I don't find him as a kid he was creepy, but as an adult I find him annoying. So, yeah. So that's yeah. the thing. I think this Station Eleven is half good. So I I will say, having seen all of it, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but they do end up dovetailing things and and combining the two stories in a satisfying way so that you don't feel as split as the series goes on. It does, it does get better in that regard. Mm. All right. Uh, no promises that I'm going to keep going. I'm, I'm, I literally might just skip to episode seven. Like that's, I'm really tempted. I really don't feel like watching six. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about peacemaker and I'm going to let Peter start off since you've watched the most episodes, Peter, what did you think of Peacemaker? Uh, I liked it. I I was surprised how, I mean, I 
I guess I shouldn't be surprised because I do like James Gunn. I liked his Suicide Squad. I like Guardians. I liked his more B movies he did in the early 2000s. So I, I thought that the show has an interesting niche of like, it's you know it's very obviously li- like the Suicide Squad movies. Very obviously embracing its kind of like vulgar kind of 80s rock you know like type of thing like you know it's basically you know an an r-rated superhero like type of thing and i would totally understand if some people would find that a turnoff and stuff totally get that like it's not i my first thoughts in the first five or ten minutes i was like oh this is clearly not going to be for everybody um but i don't know i was surprised i mean i watched all three in a row and unlike Boba Fett, I think that each episode fa- feels like its own thing. Like, it feels like a television show. It doesn't feel... Sometimes I think Boba Fett feels almost like, you know, a, a four-hour movie that they just split into parts to air. This feels like... No, each episode, it's like, he has a goal, the team has a goal. By the end, it's resolved. But there's, like, something, you know, something else that they have to do that continues the story. So, um, yeah. And I thought that, you know, they... John Cena's Christopher Peacemaker character is pretty unlikable in the Suicide Squad movie. So pretty much from frame one, they have to sort of make him more likable. Like they have to really lean into like, no, 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 he's not like the terrible guy that we saw in the first movie. And like, yeah, I mean, that takes some getting used to. Like, it's just like, all right, because the show's about him. You just have to get used to that, I guess. Um, but I, uh, but I, I don't know. I think Senna is a good match for the role. I, there's a lot of physicality as a former wrestler. In the second episode, there's a lot of him like doing a lot of pratfalls and falling out of a apartment where, you know, wrestlers had that thing where everything they do can feel like, oh my god, it causes him so much pain, and it's very theatrical. But I think that it works for someone like Senna or Dwayne Johnson or other people that were like former wrestlers. Um, and I think the supporting cast is good. And then the only other thing I want to say is that um, I often skip um, the opening. You know how, like, when you watch a show, you can skip the opening, like... The intro, like, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, and the Peacemaker one is this goofy, like, 80s rock song where the cast comes out and dances in this kind of silly manner and I have to say, I watched all three, and I never skipped it. <laughs> it just very—I just thought it was very silly and fun. It like gets me in the mood for this, for what the tone of the show is. So, um, yeah, I like—I'm totally enjoying it. Like, I probably—if they had posted the whole series, I probably would have watched all of them. I think it's—I don't think the plot or anything else is like super original or anything like that. No, absolutely not. I just—I'm just surprised. I, I'm. I'm very engaged by all the characters. I think they're all pretty, uh, pretty fun, you know. So uh, yeah. So th- not again, not saying best show ever, but uh, but yeah, it's it's just, you know solid thumbs up for me. Uh, Tom, I thought the pilot was just okay. I thought it was kind of weak. Um, episode two got better. Episode three got even better. Um, it's just interesting because what they what they've done with these characters is not what the comic i mean completely divorced from the comic books you have to, to just deal with that for me the thing that i w- think that works best is danielle brooks we have two characters from the movie who hang who continue their parts from the movie because the movie was a backdoor pilot for the series 
And then the reveal at the end, toward the end of the pilot, Danielle Brooks is is uh, Viola Davis' daughter. She is uh, I'm blanking. Uh, she's Amanda Waller's daughter, and she is a mole. And what's interesting is people on the team are suspicious about her last minute addition to the team, and obviously they are justified, but they don't know why. So um, the one thing I don't really care for is. And I, I, I'm a big fan of Robert Patrick in general. I don't like where they're going with his dad, who is this white supremacist and the idiot dude from the movie. Um, Peacemaker's car is outside this butterfly, the first assignment. Um, his car is outside. So, you know, quick, change the registration of the car. So the dude changes it to his dad and the dad gets arrested and put in jail. And then the white supremacists gather around him. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I mean, I know where James Gunn is politically, but I just think right now, not the right time to be doing that, just for a variety of reasons. But, well, you know, Tom, I'll keep watching. I'll keep Tom, watching. wait. Did you, Tom, did you watch? I saw so all like, three. Right. But did you watch the, so like at the end of every Peacemaker, there's like a bonus scene. But yeah, at the end of the third more. episode, because they aired the first three, at the end of the third episode, they have like a, you know, this season on Peacemaker. Yep. I felt the same way you did, where I was like, ah, is it really good to have the T-1000 just be this, like, racist guy who's going to lead the, Ary- and, 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 you know, an Aryan cult in prison? However, in the trailer for this season... He very specifically is like, I need to talk to so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, I th- what I'm predicting, I, like, again, I, I don't know exactly how this is going to work, but I think what's happening is I don't think the Robert Patrick character is a racist. I think that he's actually going undercover. I think that he's been a racist, and then while his son was in jail— he sort of reformed, but he knows that he has connections. And that's why in the trailer, he needs to talk to the Asian detective lady. Except so I'm like, I, oh. I would say, except that when they were in private and he was just talking to his son, he said some super racist stuff. He totally. For, no, for he absolutely no did. But I, 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 I yeah, No, to... I think he's totally racist, uh, especially if, if you watched any of the extra stuff. Um, there's there's a uh, an interview that they do with James Gunn where he said they deliberately went in that direction with his dad because they were trying to to show where Peacemaker got his ideas from, you know, where he comes from, and also to be able to to put him in a better light by showing someone worse. Uh, it's like, okay, well, he's but bad, why, but he's not as bad I, as his father. I thought that too, but just because it's a television show and you have to have twists and turns, if you start the character you're like he's just terrible, I'm like, well, that's not. If I'm Robert Patrick, I'm like, well, that's not that's not very interesting. So that's why in the trailer, I was like, oh, I was like, maybe it's not exactly what well, we're thinking. I, I, I will. That's all I, I'm saying. Yeah, I will say this. I will be the negative Nancy of this group. I thought it was terrible. Um, I watched the. I haven't seen all three mainly because I thought the pilot was terrible, so I didn't feel the need to watch the other two. Um, and my reasoning is not because of all the racist stuff. It's actually because of all the sexist stuff. Um, and it wasn't the dad. It's Peacemaker himself. I think he's, he's really unlikable from the movies. 
and their attempt to make him likable in the show I think falls flat on its face I don't think he's likable at all um, and I feel like they're trying they're trying really really hard to make him likable and it makes me roll my eyes and some of the stuff that he says to the women is ridiculous and he's like well I've been in prison for four years I was like you haven't been in prison for 20 years like just some of the stuff he says is just so offensive in a way that's not amusing at all. And I feel like guys might find it amusing, but I didn't find it amusing, even a you know, little I, bit. It's funny, Libya, I had this, I, I, I listened to what you said when we talked about this last night. So I looked online because I was like, okay. I was like, you're right, I'm a guy. Um, to me, it seems like they're clearly making fun of Christopher. We're not supposed to think that his sexist jokes are good. Like, we're not supposed to be like, yeah, he's great. But they are so trying th- to make us like him, and I don't think that works. Well, yeah. I, think that they, I think that there's also, because, uh, you know, I think that you're both making good points, uh, and I kind of fall somewhere between the two of you. Um, there's, he needs to start out from a certain point, because we did see him as just a full-out villain in the movie, and they need to acknowledge that, so they need to start him from a certain place and say, okay, well now he's going to grow from here. And so I, I I can't say that I was okay with, with the sexism and the racism and, and everything else coming out of the character, but I understood that that's where that's like, you know, the starting point, that's where he starts. And then he, through the series gets to be a better person. Um, I mean, how much better is arguable, but it's, that's, that's, I think the idea behind it. Uh, I think, you know, typical of James Gunn, not all the humor works. Some of it is just gross. Some of it is just way off the chart sexist. And and it goes beyond what I'm, you know, it, get, it gets to that eye rolling level where, yeah, it's like, okay, we can stop now. Um, but overall, and, and I do agree also with Tom that the, the worst, the, the, the weakest episode was the first one. You have to kind of get over that hump before you you see the uh, second and third, which are better. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I don't think it's the greatest thing ever, but I'm interested enough in it to keep watching. I, I it's it's grabbed me enough that I, I feel like, okay, I'll at least keep watching until the end of this. Um, unless it does something to really alienate me, I'm I'm in for it. And I I do also love those opening credits. I normally just uh, skip right past yeah, those opening, opening credits. credits are... And I, I, not I, I did, did not I like not the opening credits either. I thought I, the, I, I thought the music thought was, hilarious. was groove was. I mean, I got what they were going for the goofy eighties hair metal man. Yeah, yeah I got what they were going for, cool. but it doesn't it didn't fill me with any nostalgia at all. And I was just like, this is terrible. Well, Maybe, I, didn't, yeah. well, I didn't feel necessarily nostalgia. I just thought the, I mean, the deliberate bad dancing and everything yeah, else just, I thought was, was I love hysterical. how they come in sideways with their arms and everything. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, hello, just, Tom, and Tom, the eagle, so the eagle at the end just going, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom has a comment. Go ahead, Tom. But we got to wrap this up, by the way. Prepare to have your mind blown, Libya. The dude who plays Vigilante was the suitor on season one of uh, Unreal. He was the he's the British dude from Unreal. Yeah, I don't even I can't see his face. Sorry, I can't picture what his face looks like. Uh, bland white dude. 
<laughs> but we need to we need to go we but the british on. accent mesmerized you okay we need to move on we need to move on uh i personally uh am thumbs downing peacemaker the rest of you are thumbs upping it uh next up we were going to talk about a wolf like me you've got two minutes tom hit hit us oh i'll, I'll make it faster it is a dark comedy drama on peacock with josh gad and isla fisher who's actually Australian, but basically Josh Gad is a widower. His daughter has a host of uh, a host of problems, you know, depression and anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Isla Fisher literally runs into them as in hits them with the car. And then she's able to calm the daughter down. And then he starts getting close to Isla Fisher and she's got a big secret. And considering the title's Wolf Like Me at the end of episode two, he gets to see her transform, but we don't. The audience doesn't. It's only six episodes, but really offbeat, well done, dark, but interesting. Hmm. All right. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the series finale of The Expanse. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, and this, I mean, we all we've been talking about for the last few weeks is how the heck are they going to complete this series? And are we going to be satisfied? And what they basically do is they're like, we're not really dealing with the proto-molecule at all. Like, that's just off the table. We're not dealing with it. We're going to wrap everything Spin else off. off up, but we're not going to deal with that. And if you take that into account, yes, it wraps up really well. I will well, say that. Can, can, I, can I just jump in here? Because I, um, I've either been on the podcast and 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 silenced or or uh not uh, been on the podcast and i purposely best decision ever uh not of my life but of uh this season's <laughs> tv viewing uh, <laughs> i won't go that far but fantastic decision on my point part to watching after season two so that i could essentially binge the last four as a movie you know and let me say this Six episodes, I was there with all of us said the same thing. How are they going to do this in six episodes? Are they going to land the plane? Blah, blah, blah. Listen, Game of Thrones people, this is how you take six episodes and finish up a series. Because I think that, like you said, Libya, minus the proto-molecule, pro proto which... <laughs> Personally, I don't care. They left it as a hang, you know, a, a cliffhanger, right? With the whole like um, uh, pet cemetery thing, you know, bringing the kid back. I was just like, oh, I don't want to watch any of this. Um, but you know, they tied it in, you know, purposefully. And then you know, the the leader of the guy was like, "Yep, you're on your own. Bye. We we've discovered the you know the the secret to life, and um, we don't need any of y'all. Bye bye." So that was sort of tied up in that way and clearly spinoff. Um, but I want to talk about specifically, uh, besides saying that I thought that season six was very strong for a goodbye series uh, season. Um, and I was very much thinking, like all of you, how are they going to tie up all the loose ends? So I will tie up my loose ends, um, meaning like 
uh, Avasarala, her costumes. Let's not stop talking about those. They, oh, they need to go down in history. I would like to see a Metropolitan <laughs> Museum of Art costume retrospective of just her stuff. I would absolutely go. Um, that being said, uh, I really thought that they – I really want to say this about Expanse. I thought about it the entire time I was watching season six, uh, but very much in the in the, in the the ending. Uh, season five, whatever. Um well, I love how they treated the women on the show. It, it didn't do the thing where I feel like in the last 10 years or more, we've overcorrected, you know, and these all, women say, you know, all the women save the day and, you know, all the women are this and this and that. To me, I felt like the show did two things really well. It straddled the line of being totally gender neutral. There were so many characters that were female that didn't have to be female, that we didn't care that they were female. They could have been guys, you know, they could have been laid. Like there was nothing that even remotely whiff of like female power it was just like this character kicks ass so i loved that aspect of it and then you know there was the obviously naomi being there was a whole mother storyline and clearly you have to be a woman to be a mother um but it wasn't really just uh, her being a mother i mean clearly they they leaned into that towards the end but you know philip or uh, you know the son right if that's the son um you know, uh, the, was the son of Inaro. So it was sort of like a, you know, the worst case d- divorce kid story that you ever got. You know what I mean? So they leaned into him being a parent as well. So it wasn't just, oh, Naomi being a mom, she's the parent. They they had a lot of, he had a lot of mommy and daddy issues. So that being said, I will skip and just say that, uh, I mean, I couldn't, I just was inhaling and exhaling. The battle scenes have always been so good on this show, including specifically the side, the um, in space kind of stuff. But let me tell you, when that landing party came down, and you know, you guys know me by now. I'm not trying to guess the end of stuff or twists. It just stuff pops into my head, and I love being surprised. And I cannot tell you. Every time I thought a character was going to die, I was like, oh, God, are they killing this one? Oh, no, they're living. Wait, oh, this is where they die. No, they're still alive. What is happening? Who's dying? You know, and that scene where they make that last kind of ditch effort to, you know, to get the rail guns. Uh, and, um, you know, she does a classic solitary run up the hill. I'm going to, you know, take all the bullets, but, you know, we're going to we're going to take the mountain kind of a thing. Uh, I really was a little, a little bit like, oh, okay, so they give her this, they give her this glorious sacrificial death. And I was like, well, it's not that much of a surprise, you know, but I was like, whatever, they're doing it really well. And then, uh, so help me out, guys. Um, who's the, who's the guy? Who's uh, Amos? Amos, you know, runs in to like protect her. And then he throws his body over her. And then he's getting rid of the bullets. I was like, oh no, she's not going to die. He's going to die. And then I was like, oh God. And then it was so exciting for me. I had no idea who was going to live. The, I thought that fight sequence was uh, something, like I said, could have been very typical. But for me, uh, it was very, um, if not fresh, it was done so well. Okay, almost done. It was done so well that I think we forget, or I wanted, you guys can talk about the emotional impacts and all the other, whatever. But for me, I thought it was so strong on action. It was a great way to kind of go out and remind us that this show is, you know, not, you know, it's everything, you know what I mean? So I, I, I really love The Expanse and I'm putting it in the top three science fiction show series that I have, uh, that I've watched. I mean, I loved The Expanse and I thought they did. I mean, they landed that plane, they, they threw a party, like all of it. So I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, let Tom talk. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I, I want to pick up a, one of the curious things 
I I mostly agree with you, son. One of the things we've been talking about quite a bit for the episode by episode, they made the really curious choice to keep to to retain plot threads that go beyond book six, such as the whole the the reason to include strange dogs as the prologue for each episode, because that ties in with it's it's the planet Laconia. It's the Laconian ring gate. Admiral Duarte is the dude who basically screws Inaros by saying, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> you know, nah, dog. And if you come here, we will attack you. And then at the end, he's got that line, I've got gods to kill. And then, um, and Holden's got that great line when he's with Naomi talking about, we still don't know about the ring entities. And she's like, shh. <laughs> Let's just enjoy the moment. <laughs> so it's almost like a big tease. Yeah, we're done with the series, but go read book seven through nine. You'll get the answers. What's really fascinating, though, is if you, if you watch through the closing credits, something is coming through the ring. Something. Oh, I, don't, I think I missed that. Ooh, I'm no, gonna rewatch. Go back and watch them. There are these sparks of red, and oh, I saw those. A, there is the shape of. I think it might be that alien spaceship that uh, Admiral Duarte was admiring. Because obviously... Oh, you know, right. He's looking seven, at it in the night sky. I remember. In, yeah. in books seven through nine, evidently du- Duarte becomes a big antagonist as well as these ring entities. So, But I, it, it was a fascinating choice that yeah, we're done for now, but this is still... These threats are still out there. As for you the know. episode itself, it made sense and... It, it's not a deus ex machina because they've laid it in, you know, many episodes, you know, Holden had had a line a couple of seasons ago saying when they transit the ring, he feels the presence of something and they are not, and they feel angry to the end of last season where Tim Decay's, you know, uh, Martian, Martian ship just gets vaporized or whatever. Right. So, and then the mystery of this season and Naomi telling telling Holden, hey, I've noticed this is what happens. Ships disappear when there's a lot of stuff going on. So if we trigger it and tick them off, maybe we can get rid of Anaros. Little does she know, you know, she thinks she's killing her son or, or leading into her son's death. Little does she know that Philip is is sick of his dad because dad's a douche, finally. <laughs> and he escapes. I guess that. He, he escapes. But I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good finale in terms of. I thought for so many times I thought they're gonna kill. They're gonna kill Bobby. They're gonna kill Amos. They're gonna kill. Um, I was so um, tense. I was uh, holding on to my couch. So tense. tense. I was holding on to my couch, man. Oh, I'm glad they didn't kill anybody. But I thought it was the. I thought it was the solid finale. And the advantage they had over the Game of Thrones people is they had books. <laughs> that were finished. finished. That were actually finished. Yeah. Uh, uh, up stuff. Yeah, Allison. But I love that Holden gets to. I love that Holden screws over Avasarana one last time. <laughs> yes, that was great. It's totally in character. Wait, 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 totally wait. in character. Uh, Allison, go ahead. You haven't spoken yet. Okay. Overall, um, I really liked it, and and yes, this I was I was so afraid that this was going to turn into another Game of Thrones thing where I just <laughs> like want to throw something at the screen and never hear about it again, and and fortunately that is not the case. Um, I definitely think they landed the plane. I do think, however, it was a bumpy landing. Um, skidded a little bit, 
towards the end of the <laughs> runway. Um, and the thing is, they were part of it is that they were carrying way too much in the baggage section. Uh, they all those things uh, that that happened on Laconia could have been edited right out. That and I really would have liked to have seen all the time because I think altogether that probably makes up about forty minutes of runtime over the course of the, the six episodes, and that could have been time much better spent with the characters we know, because uh, all the stuff that that happens on that planet, while that's great for the book readers, it it is it goes nowhere. And if they were planning on doing a season seven. Or saying to everybody, okay, we've already, you know, got a, a, a sequel or a spinoff series and, and this is what it's going to lead to. That would have been great. But we have been told explicitly that it ends here. And if that's the case, why are we being given all this information that ultimately, in the context of the series, leads nowhere? And it just felt incredibly pointless. I kept waiting for it to dovetail. And all it di did was that one little bit at the end of of the 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 episode where we get to see Duarte and he's like sorry dude got things to do people to see gods to kill Bizies. um and, and and that's it you know bye felicia uh <laughs> we're giving you nothing um and you didn't need to have all the rest of the context to just understand that okay he's just abandoning him you, that's i mean great we know that but we don't need to and it just seemed like like a waste of time there the other thing you know i i i was surprised that everybody survived because i was sitting there going oh god drummer's gonna do a suicide run she's gonna die and and then she didn't and somebody else did it for her and and you know on and on just the same as you guys so i, I was actually surprised that there wasn't some kind of sacrifice at the at the end of this i'm not i can't, I can't say i'm disappointed but it was a little odd um the thing that it, that i could have taken as a sacrifice would have been and would have maybe saved the character a bit for me though was philip because i'm sorry i mean i i think i i was waiting to find out that he'd survived because it just seems so typical yep. that we didn't see him at the end with his dad i'm sitting there thinking well why where is the philip reaction shot when they all die yeah it's not there so I'm like okay he got out somehow and I don't care because he was almost as awful as his father the, they spent a lot of time making him look like a psychopath in in this series so when he survives I just don't the, the fact that he just renames himself with his mother's uh, last name that doesn't mean that he's changed as a person and he certainly didn't bother to take anyone with him when he left uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, even the guy he made friends with, it's like, let's I survive thought he was going to take him. Yeah, no, he didn't. He skipped off because he's a psycho. And he just off <laughs> He's a left. selfish git like his dad. He really he is. is. So I didn't care that, I mean, yeah, for, for Naomi, I get the, guess that's great if she ever runs into him again. But, you know, off. for me as, 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 a, as a viewer, I don't care that he survived. I would have been happier if he had done something to sabotage the ship and do I the right thing. I thought he was going to do that. I thought he was going to kill yeah, the dad. Something. I thought he was um, going to kill the dad. That that would have been impressive. That would have that would have rescued his character for me. You know, the, not skipping out. Um, uh, so, but, but they didn't. You know, and so yeah, there's 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 a lot to love in the uh, in the ending. You know, all the things that you guys brought up, but I don't think it was perfect. I think there were things that they could have handled better. But it um, is what it is. 
Peter, I agree. Peter, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good finale. Um, to, I totally agree about all of the stuff with the kids that takes up, like Allison said, 40 minutes of, of our six hours or whatever um, <laughs> being kind of a waste. I mean, I guess that leads to, you know, the 30-year time jump spinoff series, if it ever happens. But every episode that that happened, I was always like, why are we spending time with these people? Like, so I didn't, yeah. But, yes, uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good finale. And I also it was one of the weird finales where, with the exception of Philip, because obviously I'm not a fan of Philip, I was happy that we didn't really lose our major character. You know, normally in a finale, it's like, oh, you you might lose who knows, maybe half of the main characters could die. Like, and all the characters are, most of our main characters are in a position where they could die. You know, drummer could die right now. Amos could die right now. And I guess it's a testament to how much I like the characters that I was happy that they didn't kill them, that I was like, oh, thank God they, you know, they're okay. Um, Yeah. And I also appreciated the, besides of Asarala's awesome outfit and necklace at the end, I liked that they gave her a chance to uh, spew an expletive at Holden for one last time. I'd like to bring up, I want you to talk about this too real quick. I'd like to bring up the fact that at the, the actual point of the entirety of the show, which is the Belters being treated like crap by both Earth and Mars, and that meeting that they have at the end where Vasarala's like, I give you my word, we're going to take you into account. And I give you my word, this. And then Drummer was like, fine, then put me in charge. And I give you my word that I, he's like, how does that feel? Like, I really, (laughs) I really appreciated that conference and that conversation because it is literally the, the summation of what this entire series is kind of about is that you had these three factions and they all came to war in different ways. Earth and Mars were at war and then the Belters were at war with everybody. And finally, when you get them all to sit down on the table, at the table, you still have the same issues and prejudices and somebody's got to give, you know, somebody say, has to do it. Go ahead. Well, Peter. they did. Holden took care like, of that. I know, but Peter, Peter, Peter Which is brilliant. I thought one of my favorite lines um, that I'm glad... Libya reminded me of that scene was that while I do, while like, like other great, you know, sci-fi or fantasy shows, you know, it has roots in politics of the world and, and everything, of course, you know? Um, And I have to say that this whole time that we've been dealing with Marcos, I was always like, well, he's too charming and smart to be a stand-in for Trump. It's like, nah, it's not that, it's not a one-to-one. It's like, he's not literally that guy. However, no, no. However, I really liked Holden's line at the meeting that Libby is talking about. There's a moment where Holden says something about, they're talking about, yes, about the the Belters and the Inners and um, Mars. And Holden is, says something about like, you were talking about a group of people that they, they saw what the it's something like they saw what the they saw the future and they weren't in it and they weren't in it and I was like when I heard that line I was like wow that's pretty much kind of what we have in our country when we talk about the QAnon people and Trump supporters and like I'm not saying it makes me feel bad for those people but it 
it felt very, it felt like it rang really true. I was like, wow, that is something about perhaps, you know, rural America or something. It's like, how would that feel to feel that, you know, your country or your world is progressing and your way of life is not going to be there. And I thought that worked really well for me. I was, again, I'm not saying it's literally a Trump thing or something, but I thought that was pretty resonant for me. And, and I really, I really appreciated that one line. You know, I I just want to say one last thing is I I loved the writing. I think I don't know how much you know how new this is for any of us, but I I really enjoyed the writing. There were really a lot of moments where there were quote unquote lines were really beautifully done, and I think the acting was so uh, uh, you know was worthy of the writing, you know, and the you know and vice versa. So that so that was very strong for me. Also, with this one exception, I'm not I don't want to end on a down note. So somebody else talk after me. Um, the we, I've had problems with Inaris, the character, the actor, and and this and that. Uh, and I was a little disappointed with his whole. Henry V speech where he was trying to get, you know, everybody all roiled up and stuff, riled up. And I and that to me was sort of indicative of of how I felt about him. Uh, He was a little bit of a mustache twirler, but his relationship with uh, with Philip kind of, I think, made it less so and gave him some nuance and complexity. Um, But but that being said, I I do agree, actually, with everything, you know, Allison said about what was kind of weak. But but because to me, the series on the whole was so good and because it really did try you know to do uh the right thing even by sparing us all each one of us whoever your favorite character was none of them died uh but they made it exciting you know so there's a ton of red herrings and normally i get really annoyed by that but the way they did it just upped the ante even more for us so for me i like i said i i think i liked it this the finale more than all y'all but it wasn't without some you know some slippage but it was i haven't spoken yet I love the finale. I was about to say, I love the finale. One thing I wanted to talk about is uh, I watched the behind the scenes of this this one, and uh, the woman who plays Naomi, Dominique, I believe her name is. Dominique Zipper. She she basically was saying that in the last sequence, where, you know, after she pushes the button and basically thinks she kills her son, she has this moment where she just kind of collapses and screams. And yeah. that was a really powerful moment. It doesn't last very long, but it's not in the script. She just did it. She and and mm. um, the guy who plays Holden said he was off screen, and he was just there for her to have somebody to like talk to. And she does that, and he said that he just started. He was just standing there watching her perform, and he started crying. And wow. then the there's the part where he goes in to give her a hug and she's pushing him away as he's trying to comfort her and he they said that came from in the script the script has holden there hugging her giving her comfort and the actress was like no i should be alone i should why why is holden here it has nothing to do with him and right. so they ended up coming up with a compromise which is he goes in to give her a hug to comfort her and she pushes him back and pushes him away from her and that actually was even more powerful. Like I think all that's of, more powerful. Yeah, yeah. and all of yeah. that is, I think, is really just kind of amazing. And it talks about just the performances of yeah. the show and how yeah. excellent they are. So this was her first major acting role, too. Yes. No way. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. yes. Wow. Yeah, this is her first. That lead. was that. She, she needs all wow. the jobs now. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I'd like to wrap this up now. Um, I'd say overall, we're saying thumbs up. The show is great. If you have not watched The Expanse, what is stopping you? Go do it right now. You can binge all of it now. All of it. It's done. (laughs) (laughs) 
And here we go. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can send them to tvcampfire at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or on Facebook and sci-fi.radio and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.